morning, everyone. My name is Josh Davidson. I am the director of student ministries here at Mercy Hill, and it is great to be with you all this morning. Pastor Kevin, um, he is taking a Sunday off. Good rest time for him. It was his wife's birthday this weekend, and so they are staying back. So he asked me to, to preach this morning, and it's an honor, and it's humbling to bring the word before you guys this morning. Well, we are going to, our passage this morning comes out of John chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 30 through 47 this morning. So if you guys would open your Bibles or turn your attention to this screen, I'm going to read our passage this morning, and then we'll get into the message here this morning. So John 8, we're going to start in verse 30, and we'll work our way down to verse 47. It says this, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, well, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would, not be, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, this is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell, you, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God... Here's the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Well, when I was in college, I took a mission trip to New York City. And um, I was about 19 years old. And one of the days on the trip, we got to go um, kind of do some like sightseeing. We, we had like a fun day, one fun day on our mission trip. And we ended up going to Chinatown. And, and if you've ever been to Chinatown, it's, it's fascinating because you, you know there's, there's vendors that are they're everywhere. And, and the neat kind of thing about Chinatown is that you can barter for a lot of things that you want there. It's kind of a fun experience if you've never had that before. Well, at the time, I was really in need of some sunglasses. And at that current stage of life, I really wanted a pair of Ray-Bans. Anybody go through that stage? Like, man, Ray-Bans, they're, they're super cool, right? So I'm asking around, and, and I finally find a vendor that is selling Ray-Bans. And he, he was like, come with me. I have a guy, and uh, we'll, we'll hook you up and get what you want. 
And so, you know, I had like, some friends go with me, but, like, I didn't really think anything of it. I was very naive at the time. And, you know, he brought me to, like, an area in which nobody was. And I just, like, was like, whatever. Like, maybe this is just where the Ray-Bans are. And it's fine. Well, so I go to this guy, and he, um, he asked me what kind of Ray-Bans I'm looking for. And I think I showed him, like, a picture on my phone of the kind of style that I wanted. And at the time... I mean, Ray-Bans were, like, pretty pricey. It was definitely, like, as, you know, this 19-year-old kid, you know, it's, like, the ones that I wanted were, like, retailed, like, $100, $125. It's, like, I, I don't want to spend that, but I'm here in Chinatown, and I'm going to barter, and I'm going to use my salesman skills here and, you know, do some uh, great bartering. So, I, you know, I end up um, kind of talking my way, and I end up getting these Ray-Bans for 25 bucks. okay? And I was absolutely stoked. Well, it was really funny because just a few minutes later after I had worked the price down to $25, I see, like, a pretty big, like, police presence, like, coming through Chinatown. And um, I, uh, one of the guys that was, like, a local, he was part of our mission trip group, he, uh, I was like, dude, what is going on right now? And uh, he, he said, he was like, well, dude, like, there's a lot of people here that are selling things illegally. And, um, you know, those, those Ray-Bans that you actually bought, they're, they're fake. And uh, it's, it's completely illegal that these guys are selling these. It's like trademark infringement. Because it literally said on their Ray-Ban. Like, it didn't say, like, you know, it didn't have, like, you know, you know, it wasn't, like, the North Face, but it had, like, the South Face, like, something like that. Like, it was, like, legitimate. Like, it said Ray-Ban. I thought they were totally legit. Well, my friend was like, dude, no, like, those are completely fake. Well, these, these cops were, they're trying to you know, get these guys that are, they're selling things illegally. And um, why do I tell you this story today, though? Well, you see, when it comes to genuine faith, when it comes to authentic faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus, in our passage today, ends up giving us a spiritual litmus test as to what a real disciple, an authentic disciple, looks like. He shows us what, what a fake, counterfeit, superficial disciple looks like and a real disciple. So in our context today, in that passage that I just read, the Jews are celebrating the Feast of Booths. We, we, Pastor Kevin's gone through that. We see that starting in John chapter 7. So in John 8, 30, 31, we're coming off Jesus just telling people that he was the light of the world. Jesus is just telling people that he was living water. Jesus is trying to reveal himself. That's what he's been doing this whole book. And he's the living water, and his testimony about himself is true, and that he's from above, and he's not of this world. And, and the people, the crowds, they, they were intrigued by this. They wanted to know who this Jesus was. In fact, and it tells us in John 8, 30, that as he was saying these things, many believed in him. But we also know that the Jewish leaders and, and other Jewish people, they rejected him. There was, there was a mixed crowd for sure as it related to Jesus, as, as we've been seeing in the book of John. I mean, in chapter 7, it even said that there were people that said, oh, he's, he's a good man. And then there's other people that said, no, he, he's actually leading us astray. There's a mixed crowd here. And, and, and part of this mixed crowd were these Jewish leaders that thought that everything that Jesus was saying was blasphemy, and they wanted him dead. But there's also these people that are intrigued by what he's saying, and they're starting to kind of like, you know, believe in like kind of what he's doing, and they're trying to figure it out. So what Jesus is doing, he's trying to show these people 
what a real, genuine, authentic disciple looks like. And if you noticed in our verse, I want us to look at John 8, 31 and 32. This is what Jesus describes as what a real disciple looks like. He says this, If you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, some of you guys might remember this, some of you not, but this past summer I ended up preaching a message out of John chapter 4. And when you look back at John chapter 4, you realize that there were certain people that only believed in Jesus really for the signs and wonders that he did. So, people, you know, he came into town, he did all these miracles, they embraced him as this, like, entertainer. They kind of viewed him as, like, I, I use the term in my message, like this Vegas magician, right? They kind of just believed in Jesus as that. They were infatuated with the miracles, but they weren't actually infatuated with the person of Jesus and believing his words and believing his authority and believing who he was trying to reveal himself to be. We also see in John chapter 2, verse 23 through 25, that while Jesus was at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs that he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to those people. Why? Because he knew there was a superficial nature to these people's faith. He knew the fickleness of human hearts. He knew that these people were, were just kind of embracing him and starting to kind of believe in him, but only for the fact that he was doing miracles and signs and wonders, and, you know, he could provide certain things for them. Like, he was just this entertainer, right? One commentary that I read this week stated that in describing the type of belief that these Jews had in, in John 8.30, it said many believed in him. It said that, that it was a faith in chapter 8 because of the dynamic teaching and the wow factor of Jesus' teaching. This amazing wow. Like what, it's amazing what he's doing here at the Feast of Tabernacles. They are ready to put some sort of faith in Jesus, but Jesus knows how fickle the human heart can be. So there are people in this passage, these Jews that Jesus is speaking to, they are believing in Jesus, but it's not a real faith. It's a superficial faith. And what Jesus is doing in this passage is answering the question, what does a real disciple look like? What does a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ look like? And on top of this question, there's another question that is going to be posed, and it is this. Have you been set free by Jesus or are you still being deceived? So are you a real, genuine, authentic disciple? And have you been set free, or are you being deceived? Now, I have to just say this. This passage of Scripture, this is some hard-hitting truth from Jesus. And you know what? Did you guys know that Jesus says some hard things and some offensive things at times? <laughs> Jesus says some really hard truths here, but that's because truth matters. And the truth can hurt people at times. And he wants people to understand what it really looks like to follow after him. He wanted people to understand what the cost of discipleship was. Did you notice what the test of a real discipleship, of a real disciple was in John 8, verse 31 and, th and 32 that we just read? He said this, If you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This same question that Jesus is answering here of 
who is a true disciple, what does a true disciple look like here in John 8, is the same type of question that, that Paul seems to address in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, where Paul says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do, not, do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. This is a very similar test to what Jesus is doing to the Jews who had believed here. He's trying to get them to understand what a real disciple looks like. Did you guys catch what Jesus said in that verse? Jesus tells us that real disciples abide in his words. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we're going to talk here just about truth for a minute, and then we're going to end up wrapping things up, and we're going to talk about the freedom side of all of this. It's fascinating because as I was prepping this week, I, I began to consider that, that verse, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I feel like I've heard this said quite a bit in our culture, and I don't think they're talking about the verse here in John. Anybody else heard this phrase in like a movie, a book you've read, or maybe a podcast or a song? Like, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? I think we've all heard that in some kind of context in our culture. It was kind of neat because Kevin DeYoung, a pastor, really helped put this into words for me as I was thinking about it. He said this, this verse, verse 32, about the truth and the truth will set you free is one of those famous verses in the Bible that often gets misused outside of its original purpose. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Sometimes it's used as just, or it's just used kind of just slapped on any kind of journey of self-discovery, the truth about your own inner workings or your childhood. It's often a slogan that's used for education, like you'll know the truth about chemistry and it will set you free. Or, or it's used as this some kind of mystery or some kind of riddle to be solved. Even in non-Christian circles, people have picked up on this as some sort of famous line from Shakespeare or something. But the truth, notice the truth that sets us free, specifically is the truth about Jesus. So when we consider the context, it's talking about the truth of who Jesus is. This entire book has been revealing who Jesus is. This is the purpose of John. This is so evident as we look in the Gospel of John, and this is what Dan Morris established in the very first message of this series. The entire book, the entire purpose of this book that we have established from the very beginning comes from John 20, 31. And it says this, that you would believe that Jesus, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and that by, by believing in him, you will have eternal life. This is truth. This is where true freedom is found, in Jesus. Aren't you thankful this morning that truth isn't just a concept or an idea, but that truth is a person, and that person is Jesus? The Jews who are superficially believing in verse 30, these, these Jewish leaders certainly did not like this kind of teaching from Jesus, and, and those interacting with Jesus did not like what Jesus had to say in this passage. I mean, notice with me how this story unfolds. Because what we're going to see here is that these people are believing, as it tells us in verse 30, these, these, these many Jews that we're believing, that we've read in verse 30, are going to be the same people that Jesus ends up saying, you are of your father, the devil. So let's see how this unfolds. Remember, Jesus had just told them, if you abide in my word, you are really my disciples. The truth 
will set you free, right? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So verse 33 of John 8, let's continue. It says this. So they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are of offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not, you do what you heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is because you cannot bear to hear my word. So these Jews that are superficially believing, they, they haven't fully professed their faith in Christ yet. They believed maybe with their mouth. They believed that, you know, he was doing these miracles. They were intrigued with it, but they hadn't truly professed with their life. Do you notice what these people are saying? They're saying, we are Abraham's offspring. We are good, Jesus. We got truth. We are God's chosen people. We have never been enslaved because we're from Abraham. We're his descendants. What are you talking about, Jesus? Like, we have never been enslaved to every, anyone. How can you say that if we abide in your word, then, then, then we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free? We've never been enslaved. We have the truth. We're not enslaved because we're Abraham's descendants. Notice with me how these people are believing that because of their lineage— because of their genealogy, they are free. This is the hard-hitting truth of Jesus here. He is saying that it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your genealogy. It doesn't matter your lineage. Every one of you has to personally make a decision to believe and abide in my words. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what is the truth that Jesus wants these people to believe? He wants them to believe his words. He says that the mark of a true disciple is that you abide in his word, but these people didn't get it. They didn't get it. So what was the truth they, did, they didn't get? Notice with me in verse 34 of John 8. He, he answers this question. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are an offspring of Abraham, yet you still seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. The truth that Jesus is trying to get them to believe here and, and know is that and to abide in is the fact that they are all slaves to sin. We are all slaves to sin before we come to Christ. Just because you are from Abraham doesn't mean that you have this morality that is superior to anyone else that is out there. This is what Jesus is calling out this morning. He's trying to get these people to realize that everyone is a slave to their sin before coming to Christ. But once you become a son, you become free. 
The truth is, folks, that we are all enslaved to sin before coming to Christ. We are living in such a post-truth culture. We hear so many messages out there that says, you do what's best for you. Look inside and, and listen to your heart, and that will help guide the way. Whatever feels right, whatever desires you have and, and you're feeling, just go for it. Folks, this couldn't be more different than what Jesus teaches. As we see in this passage, Jesus says that actually what's inside of us is actually what's wrong with us. He says that you are a slave to sin before you come to Christ. Your sin is a treason against a holy God. One pastor described it as, we, we often view sin so often as this cosmic parking ticket. <laughs> it's just not, nothing more than just a cosmic parking ticket. Yet we don't realize that our sin is actually an insurrection against heaven's throne. Sin is a big deal. <laughs> we are all slaves to it before we come to Christ. G.K. Chesterton, writing in the London newspaper, when they were having an essay contest, what is wrong with the world? He wrote in response to the question, what is wrong with the world? I am. Sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. This quote by Kevin DeYoung I thought was so helpful as well this morning. I want to read this to you guys. It says this, your biggest problem is you. My biggest problem is me. My own temptations, my own inordinate desires, my own sinful dispositions, my own anger, my fear, my lust. Until we realize that our biggest problem in life is not out there, but it's in here, we haven't really come to a Christian anthropology, which is a biblical perspective on humanity. Every single person that comes to follow Jesus as a disciple must first come to realize that the problem is us, that we are a slave to sin before Christ. See, these Jews that were superficially believing thought that they were not enslaved because they were in the right group. But being in the right group doesn't save you. Being in the right group doesn't set you free. Just because you grew up in a Christian home doesn't save you. Just because your parents were good Christian, faithful Christians doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Just because you go to church every Sunday doesn't save you. Just because you volunteer once a week at church doesn't save you. Just because you're part of an organization that helps people out and you're doing nice and good things doesn't save you. And just because you're part of Abraham's family doesn't make you morally superior and not a slave to your sin. Jesus says to these people, you've missed it. You've missed the mark. You, you, you've missed what I'm trying to tell you here. Your identity with a group doesn't give you freedom. Only in following me do you find freedom. Only in realizing the truth that you are a slave to your sin. Then, once you repent of that and follow me, you will find freedom. Only in abiding and believing in my words and following my words and obeying my words do you find freedom. These words of Jesus were blasphemy to so many of these people. So many of these Jewish leaders, they, they hated it. And they hated it because they hated that Jesus came on the scene with the authority that he did and he was trying to reveal himself, but they, they didn't want to see it. They were so pious, they were so ignorant, 
They didn't, they didn't want to believe that he was sent from his father. Let's continue in our passage. Verse 39. Verse 39. It says this, They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. What I found incredibly insightful in my prep this week for my message was that there was a widespread belief at the time that great works and the great merits of Abraham were available for all of his descendants. So his life, his faithfulness, his, his basically, yeah, all that he did just spread to every one of his descendants, and so they were all good. Jesus is saying, you don't just inherit goodness. You don't just inherit someone else's works. You are slaves to your sin. Jesus was saying, you know what? Abraham wouldn't have wanted to kill me. Like, if you were really Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works that Abraham did, which is what? What are the works that Abraham did? Well, we know that Abraham lived a life. He, he humbly submitted to the will of God. He obeyed God, and he, he trusted in God's plan. We know that in Genesis 15, 6, it tells us that as God was making this covenant with Abraham, that Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham had a faith in the words of the Father. Isn't this interesting as we kind of tie this all together? Jesus is saying, if God was really your father, you would love me. Can't you see that God sent me? True disciples listen to my words. Abraham, he listened to my words. It was credit to him as righteousness in Genesis 15, 6. But you guys, you don't want to listen to my words. You guys are being deceived. Do you see why this was so offensive to these people? You see why this was so hard-hitting? And to the point where these people wanted to kill Jesus. There was people that were just so fired up about it. They wanted to kill Jesus. John MacArthur, in his commentary, writes that Jesus is indicting them as being sinners, and not only that, but slaves of sin. They're not about to accept that. Then Jesus takes it a step further and says this shocking thing. You are slaves, not sons. You're a slave and you're not an heir. And the slave doesn't stay in the house forever, only the son does, and you are slaves, not sons. You will be left out of God's inheritance. The language here could not be stronger, and again, we understand why they reacted the way in which they did and wanted to kill him. They can't, they're choosing not to, like, they just, they, they don't want to listen to Jesus' words. They don't want to recognize that they have a sin problem. They don't want to recognize that they are slaves to sin. They don't want to recognize the authority that Jesus has, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Word made flesh. There is such a pride and piety involved here. They don't want to understand that by believing in the words of the Son, that actually provides a pathway to freedom. J.C. Ryle says this, that 
This is the most dangerous spiritual condition any person can ever have when you're halfway to Christ, inclined to Christ, inclined to the truth about Jesus, wanting what Jesus provides and what he offers, but not willing to give in to the full demands that he lays on the sinner of repentance and faith in him, declaration of his lordship, and turning from sin toward righteousness. If they really loved God, they would be listening to the words of Jesus. But they wouldn't. And Jesus wasn't here to play games. Eternity was at stake for these people. <laughs> he wasn't just going to affirm these people's perceived goodness that they thought that they had, their religiosity, and just tell them that everything was good. No, he was here to set f people free from the bondage and the slavery that they have to sin. He was here to establish that, that the only way that happens is in a real relationship with Jesus Christ where disciples are abiding in his word and recognizing that apart from Jesus, you are in bondage. You are in slavery to your sin. And not only does he tell them that they are not free, not only does he tell them that they are slaves to their sin. Not only does he tell them that it doesn't matter about their descendants to Abraham and that God is really not even their father, but he ends up telling them in this final hard-hitting truth, he says, actually, you have a father that is Satan, the father of lies. This is the final hard-hitting truth of Jesus this morning. He tells them that they have a father that is not Abraham, but rather is Satan who is the father of lies. I mean, what a bold statement. Check this out with me in verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus hits them here with another hard, offensive truth, but one that is absolutely necessary. Isn't it crazy how Satan is just the master deceiver? I mean, he just he doesn't want us to believe the words of Jesus. He doesn't want us to trust God. He wants people to believe in their morality and their, their perceived inerrant goodness, and he wants people to, to believe in their religion and going to church and that being what saves people. He's been deceiving people from the beginning, as we see in Genesis chapter 3. I mean, he said, you get, we've talked about this over and over. He, he has that statement. Did, did God really say that? He whispers lies all of the time, deceiving us, deceiving people. Folks, the devil has a master plan, and that is to sow doubt on the word of God. He's been trying to undermine the authority, the sufficiency, the wonder of God's word from the beginning. Don't you see this all over our culture? I mean, he doesn't want us to untrust our lives to Jesus. 
He's telling us those little white lies. He's whispering all the time. Did, did God really say that? You don't, need, you don't really need the church in your life. You don't really need to listen to the commands of Jesus. Like, you can kind of embrace what you want. <laughs> can you really trust God? Can you really take God at his word? Folks, there is a battle, a spiritual battle that is going on out there with a Satan who is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is what Jesus is saying when he says that he's been a murderer from the beginning. <laughs> he's been trying to end Jesus. He's been trying to undermine God's authority from the beginning. This was such an offensive statement, but an absolute necessary one. They are not sons of of Abraham or of God, but they have a father of lies, Satan, who is deceiving them into thinking that they are not slaves to their sin, that they don't need to abide and believe in the words of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you notice the contrast between Satan and Jesus? <laughs> Satan tells lies. Jesus is the truth. Satan is here to kill. Jesus is here to give life. Satan is the epitome of darkness. And Jesus had just said, I am the light of the world. John Piper says this, that Satan devotes 168 hours a week to deceiving you. Do you think that you can maintain a renewed mind with just a quick glance at God's book each day? <laughs> we must abide in his words. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is why we must feast on the word of God. This is why, as disciples, we must abide in his word. We, we must know what the Bible says so we don't get suckered into the deception of Satan that can creep into so many different forms in our life. Jesus said in verse 45, But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. If you were truly from God, you would hear what I'm saying. Whoever is from God hears the words that I am saying. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not from God. Folks, this morning, Jesus is giving us a spiritual litmus test in this passage on what real disciples look like. Real disciples abide in his words. Jesus wants us to consider, are you abiding in his word? Have you allowed the word of Christ to dwell in you richly, or are you being deceived by Satan? As we are wrapping up this morning, it would be, um, I, I would miss out on a huge opportunity not to talk about the freedom side of this, because that's, that's what we need to know. Because what are we, if we are slaves to sin, and we need to recognize that. What are we free to, though? Because that is absolutely essential in this passage. See, Jesus, when we come to Christ and we repent of our brokenness, of our slavery to sin, and we give our life over to Jesus and believe in his works, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are set free. I know this was some hard-hitting truth, but it's so imperative we don't skip out on this. Jesus sets you free when you believe the gospel. Do you understand what you are set free from? Don't miss this because it's so significant as we're wrapping up here this morning. When you come to Christ, you move from a slave to a son. 
Jesus provides us a spiritual freedom, which is a freedom from the slavery of sin. Do you realize how amazing this is? God declares you righteous. You are no longer guilty when you come to Christ. When you put your faith and trust in him, he forgives you of all your sin. Jesus gives you freedom from sin's power over your life. It doesn't have to control you anymore. He removes that heart of stone, and he gives you a heart of flesh. Jesus puts a new spirit within you. You become free, not from being able to see because of your slavery, to now being able to have brand new sight. Isn't this incredible? Do you understand the freedom that you no longer have in having to worry about condemnation now that you are in Jesus? It says in Scripture that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You are secure if you are in him. There is freedom to be found in thinking about death once you come to Christ. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will receive eternal life. That is a promise. And we know that once we pass here, we have eternal life in Jesus. Your judgment day has been moved from the future to the past in Christ. It's a beautiful truth. We know that we are free from hell. We deserved hell as a punishment because of that slavery to sin. But Jesus has made a way. Jesus has freed us from all of this. You are no longer in spiritual oppression. You are free. You are no longer a slave. And those that superficially believe they couldn't get behind this because they couldn't see that they were slaves and in bondage to their sin. They didn't want to embrace the truth of Jesus. Folks, don't get caught up in being envious of the so-called freedom that there is out in the world because it's just chasing after the wind. It's all going to, you can't take that stuff with you into eternity. It's all vapor. There's freedom to be found in Jesus. He wants to set you free. He wants to. <laughs> he wants you to live a life of freedom where you know the truth of Jesus and you live a life of freedom because of it. True disciples abide in the word of Christ. As we close this morning, I, I want to ask you a question. Have you found your freedom in Jesus? Because today can be the day of salvation. In Jesus, you have a rescuer. In Jesus, you have a savior. You have a savior who wants to set you free from the captivity of your sin, the bondage of your sin, the slavery of your sin. And if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you've never come to that place, or maybe you feel like you've been superficially believing in Jesus, can I implore you this morning to repent of your slavery to your sin and find freedom today in the arms of Jesus? Jesus wants to set you free. He wants you to have the free gift of eternal life. 
He wants to set you free from that captivity. He wants you to have freedom from the fear of death. He wants you to have freedom from spiritual oppression. He's offering that. His invitation is open to all who will receive him. Abide in Jesus' words. Let's respond this morning in worship. Why don't you guys stand with me and let's sing in Christ alone.